guys. Welcome back to the Teen Table Talks. I'm Selena. I'm Maggie. I'm Kim. And we have a special guest here today. Very it special. is our IB coordinator, or one of our IB coordinators, Miss Zond. So, hi everyone. <laughs> okay, this is so exciting. Um, so basically, we have a little guest segment that we do. Um, and it's basically, we ask you, what are your five favorite things? But you're, the thing doesn't have to be a thing. It can be like a feeling or like an action or just like, All yeah, right. like very broad. Um, five favorite things. All right, if we're going to talk feelings, I think a favorite thing of mine is those moments. And I wonder if you guys know what I mean here, but those moments that you have when you're just like, everything's working out. And I don't mean that everything's working out necessarily exactly how you wanted it, but you're just feeling really content, maybe um, just your mood and the weather and, you know, the things off your to-do list are going well, and maybe you're hitting green lights as you're driving, just everything's working out and you're feeling, you know, pretty, pretty grateful. So I love that. Um, I love that feeling of like, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. When everything's going your way. Um, uh, favorite things. Um, okay. Well this summer, whenever I'm feeling super tired or burnt or down or cranky, I'm not going to lie. I love to crank up my super lame Latin music playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Anthony's song, Vivir, I forget, I don't even know how to say it. It doesn't even matter. Spanish is not my language, Um, but I just love it. And it just puts me in a great mood and gives me energy. So I love my Latin music. Um, I can pretend that I'm on an island somewhere, which always is is always a nice feeling. That's number two. Number three, I would say um, if we're talking seasons, I love Christmas. I'm like a super huge mm. Christmas nerd. Yeah, like I, I waited <laughs> after Remembrance Day to be appropriate. Um, but then after Remembrance Day, it's game on for Christmas music and hot chocolates and decorating and um, oh yeah, lots of caroling and all the anything you can really imagine. Um, no laughing, Cam. And uh, <laughs> three. Number four, if we're talking people, um, obviously um, my kids, uh, Leo and I just went to Wonderland together and I love crazy coasters. I, yeah, the crazier, the better. And uh, I'm not a mom who likes to introduce her kids to coasters in a gentle way. The first coaster any of my kids have done is either the behemoth or the Leviathan. Is the oh my God. So I love that kind of stuff, doing that stuff with my family. And fifth, okay, this is super lame, but you have to go with it. Um, Considering my career, when I'm teaching a class and things, it's kind of almost like that feeling I was talking about first. And things are just connecting and people are participating and into it and I'm feeling into it and everyone's just like vibing in a really great way. And we have a great discussion, um, maybe maybe even a little controversial, it doesn't matter, but there's like a lot of great things happening that I'm feeling that that kind of feeling of um, where everything is right and everything is good. So yeah, I think that's like super random top five and some of them are kind of repetitive, but there it's it really is. good. I love it, yeah. And that's perfect because it segues into what we're gonna be talking about today. So basically, Miss Son is a teacher, as most of you probably know, and that's kind of the topic that we want to discuss just 
like the kind of everything teacher, student, and there's some IB stuff thrown in there related. In honor of back to school, which is starting in just over a week. Panic. Excited? (laughs) Um, Are we excited? I don't know. We get Monday off. You get my, yeah, we get mm-hmm. my, yeah, you get my yeah. out. Yeah. I start work Monday, this Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I'm off Friday. And then we go Tuesday. I don't know, guys, are you excited to go back to school? Um, parts of me are. Like, I like mm-hmm. the routine, like rhythm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, do I like that life is going to be a bit of a gong show again? Not necessarily. Do I love all things COVID? No. Um, so there's that. But what about you? Are you happy? I'm excited to see everyone again, but I'm not excited about the stressful parts of school and doing all the work. I know. I was going to say the workload. Yeah. yeah. I'm scared. Well, and you guys are going into year two. So year two, semester one, year two, it's it's a beast, as we all know, particularly because you're um, applying to universities as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get into it. So... Let's briefly talk about Miss Song, like you as a person. <laughs> not not that deep, but just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so where did you graduate from um, as a teacher? Just like how long have you been teaching for? And just kind of your career history. All right, all right. So my teacher origin story, if you will, is um, a little bit divergent from perhaps others. Um, right after high school. So I was not a great high school student. I didn't particularly enjoy my high school experience. And um, uh, I had only one or two teachers who I really connected with, um, which therefore didn't really lead me into wanting to study anything post-secondary. So I went into hairstyling, did that for, uh, got my apprenticeship. And then I realized I didn't want to do hairstyling. And then I went to University of Guelph to study um, a double, I did a double major essentially in history and English, history being the first um, when I studied. And then I eventually loved English so much, I did a double. Um, and the reason I picked those subjects is because um, number one, my history teacher was the, was the one inspirational teacher I had in high school and I really enjoyed the subject. And um, English, because actually the exact opposite reason, I had a horrible high school experience in English. I had the same teacher three years in a row, um, small high school, so that can happen. And um, she was awful and really made me feel really bad. But then I wanted to prove something. I have this thing where I like to prove things to people. Um, So I ended up doing really well in university and um, earned better grades than I had ever done previously because I really cared and I was really invested and I was into it and I was inspired. And I think feeling so inspired in university really led me to think about my own high school experience and which made me want to be a teacher. Um, It made me realize that it's really important to connect with students and make them feel valued and valuable. And um, so I went into teaching for that reason, to really try to be the person who I wanted um, to have as a high school teacher way back when, who I never really got the chance to have. So I studied University of Guelph, four years, history and English. And then I did um, Teachers College at York University. York is really interesting because you have to interview to go into Teachers College there, whereas other Teachers College, you just apply and you are accepted or denied. And um, York interviews, and I really like that because 
there's something to be said about the rapport between people, um, which I think is what makes a really good teacher is that rapport. And, um, and then I started a master's in history because I couldn't find a job right away. And then I eventually found a job. So I finished, I didn't quite finish my master's. I was three quarters of the way done when I finally got a teaching job. So then I taught special ed. Um, I ran a special education department and then I got a little bit bored of that. You're going to hear a trend here soon. And then I got a little bored of that <laughs> challenge. So then I went and taught cosmetology actually, because right, I was a hairstylist first. And then I got a little bored of that. I needed a change. And then I taught English and history. And then I um, came to GC and continued to teach English and history, uh, particularly English actually at GC. And then someone was like, hey, your ideas and philosophy of teaching really align with the theory of knowledge and you should be the lead teacher on that. So I did that. And then they're like, hey, you should do coordination and theory of knowledge. So then I did that. And um, so it's been about 15 years in total, maybe 16, um, that I've been a teacher. Um, and I still love my job. Obviously, I like to change things up, um, but I really still love what I do. So yeah, so that's how I got here. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite out of all of your jobs? Oof. Um, yeah, I think I think TOK is actually. Do you want to know why? It's because it's like when I used to teach English, I loved teaching grade nine English because I like getting the kids right away um, when they're young and kind of setting the tone for their high school experience in English. <laughs> um, but my favorite bits of English are those conversations, those hard conversations, those like different ways of looking at things and different perspectives. And the boring bits of English was teaching paragraph structure and um, you know, grammar. So TOK is almost like the cool part of English um, in a course, mm. which is really what I like about it. Maybe you'll agree. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. I really enjoyed TOK. It was fun. Yeah, same. Significantly better than English. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Okay, so now that we all know a little bit more about Vincent, okay, so let's kind of get into, okay, we kind of know, or we want to know a little bit more about like the behind the scenes of being a teacher, because I feel like there are a lot of things that students don't actually know about like the teacher's jobs. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't realize until like I got into like grade nine or 10 that I fully realized that teachers actually have to like take time outside right. of school to mark yeah. <laughs> or like planning lessons and like things like that and it's not um, just the few hours when you're in the classroom don't we wish um <laughs> no teaching is a really interesting job because you know uh I don't know there is this this misconception I think that teachers have it pretty sweet because you know there's two months in the summer and there's March break and there's Christmas so there's you know, I know in you know families in particular give a lot of flack sometimes to teachers and throw a lot of shade our way in terms of what they think that we do and don't do. Um, but I'll tell you right now, as a mom of four, um, teaching English was it almost like killed me in the sense that marking, you know, three times thirty-one essays, um, you know, and having to prepare lessons and and if you think about if if a good essay takes thirty minutes to mark between 
20 to 30 to mark, you know, a bad essay. When we are learning writing, often they are bad essays that that'll take sometimes 40 minutes to mark minimum, if you're really doing like all the feedback that you want to do. So the kind of time that goes into teaching is, um, is pretty significant. Um, particularly depending on what kind of teacher you are. Um, some teachers, you know, and I understand and I can't blame them for it, but once they have their curriculum set, they like to go with it because it is so in time consuming. But most of my friends are teachers who always wanna stay current and keep things new and keep things fresh. So not only are we constantly having to rethink and reorganize how we're teaching, um, but you're always learning half, like kind of, you always have to learn new things as you go as well. And, and um, you know, you wanna stay fresh and you wanna stay current and uh, that takes a lot of time. So there are hours that go in behind the scenes of the preparation of courses, but then of course, how the courses are laid out. And then we always have conversations, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and then sometimes we'll realize that what worked for one teacher is not working for another teacher and why is that? And then depending on the students in your class, who's engaging, how shy are they? Um, how open are they open-minded? Because the more open a kid is, the easier it is to get conversation, particularly, you know, for thinking TOK here, that is half of the course should be discussion-based, but it's really hard to flow a course if we can't get that discussion going. So all those strategies go into our planning. And then of course there's the marking, which is quite arduous. Um, so you'll hear all these different jokes, like even teachers have judgments and jokes on one another as well. Um, you know, and it's all based on perspective. There's a TOK word for you right there, but it's all based on perspective of, you know, um, oh, this teacher doesn't have to do as much planning and this teacher doesn't have to do as much marking. Oh, it must be nice to teach this subject because you can just scantron your tests, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of that, you know, you can see sometimes that departmental um, mindset that kind of permeates teaching, which mm -hmm. is really, really interesting as well. Um, but yeah, there's a lot that goes on. And then of course, we have our discussions of, you know, and which is nice, like we are a team, but we have our discussions of, you know, oh, well, Maggie is doing so well in my course, why is she doing well in your course? And um, and what's happening for, for Maggie right now in her life? So there's like, we really care. Yeah, so it's very personal. I guess that's hard. Mm -hmm. it, these, that's a hard question because it all depends on who the person is, right? Um, but I can tell, you know, some kids, some students come to me and I have a really interesting role because I get to hear people complaining. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I've had students in the past who, you know, I've really connected with, um, and maybe someone else hasn't. And, you know, the kids will come in and talk about their really challenging experience in whatever class. And, um, you know, maybe they're not connecting as humans, but I can guarantee you, for the most part, that teacher is working so hard and doing so much, but sometimes the connection isn't there. And, that I think is pretty significant anyways on, on whether you like a class or not like a class or, or how you feel like you're doing in a class, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but sometimes teachers, uh, students will be like, oh, I hate so-and-so, they're the worst teacher in the world. And I'll be like, you know what? You're not connecting, but I promise you this teacher really cares and is doing so much work. Um, but right, like I'm sure, you know, I'm sure people said that about me too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that really answers my question. And I guess you even kind of answered 
Um, another question that I have, which was like, what is something you think a lot of students may not know about teachers? But I guess like you were talking about how, like the extent to which teachers care about mm -hmm. their students. And did you ever run into a teacher in a grocery store or at the movies or at a restaurant and be super weirded out? So um, awkward. Right? And that used to happen to me. It's like sometimes, especially little, especially younger students, and even us when we're older, when we run into teachers um, or when you run into your prof someday when you're a university student, it's like you almost don't think they have a life that exists outside of teaching. So yeah. it's super weird when you see them. You're like, whoa, I don't understand you in this context. Um, so that's something to remember too is that teachers, you know, they give so much of themselves. The teachers, you know, who really care about that connection with students give so much of themselves to their kids, their students, but then they're also having to, um, to give at home. And that's something that stuck with me is one of my high school teachers. Um, he was amazing. <clears throat> I loved him. I thought he was, this is the man who was really inspirational for me into, into getting into history. And I thought he was so awesome. And I did my, you know, student teaching, not student teaching through university, but I did practice teaching in his uh, class sometimes. And I remember, um, I know his wife and his daughter and I, I used to do his wife's hair actually when I was a hairstylist and she, I was like, Oh my God, Mr. Simpson's so amazing. And then she'd be like, Oh, he gives everything to his students and he's got nothing left when he comes home. Um, and I'm like, Oh, she's like, he's not as nice <laughs> at home as he is in school. And of course, cause you know, you're giving, 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 and then you get home and you're like, leave me alone. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, um, hazard of the profession if you will that's literally me when I work at Marshalls and when I'm at the at the registers I'm like like obviously I'm talking to customers all day and then when I get home my social battery my social battery is like zero yes <laughs> you've nothing left and that's I think that's like something that people also really need to know is when you work with other people especially if you're, an, do you guys know what I mean when I say if someone's an empath, like you really take mm -hmm. on people's emotions and feelings. And of course, not all teachers are empaths, but a lot of people who get into teaching are empaths by nature. So you take on all those emotions and managing everyone's anxiety and, and fears about not doing well and their stress. And you're taking that all in during the day. So when you come home, you're just like flat. And um, sometimes I sit in my car and I just like need to regroup before I walk in because I've got to give it all. I try to give it all here at home too. But sometimes you just need a moment to like scroll my Instagram feed, listen to something, <laughs> take a moment. Um, and that's something else that, you know, I think when you're working with people in any profession, I'm sure doctors, like, like you said, in any kind of service industry position, you're like done when you come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh what God. all that coffee's for, right? 100%. You know how much I love my coffee. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, what are some things that you've learned about students, but maybe more specifically teenagers, in your time as a teacher? Ooh, that was a tough one. <laughs> um, uh, students are a lot more resilient than they think. Um, I've learned that, especially in this program. I think that what makes me sad is that, and this is not an IB thing, because IB is not for anyone, nor, nor does it have to be. But sometimes I see, I see kids leave the program um, only because they think that they can't. And um, that was literally my narrative in high school. I just didn't think that I could. 
And I wasn't in IB because there was no such thing as IB, but um, where I was from. But I think that I think I, I've learned and I really want to bring that out in kids is that there is, you know, you are so much more capable, but I think there's so much stuff going on when you're a teenager, you're trying to figure out who you are. Um, sometimes, you know, you don't know, you feel like all this pressure about what you want to be someday and you feel like you have to make all these decisions, but then you also want to like really enjoy your youth and you don't want to sacrifice having fun. Um, and which is why I think we're so hard on ourselves. And I see a lot of kids give up on themselves in a whole bunch of different facets, but I really wish I, I think I've learned, I, I wish I could reach into kids and be like, you're way more capable than you think you actually can do it all. High school is not, and kids have this like weird misconception that high school is like the, I don't know, the Mecca, the epic time of their lives. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there's so much more to life than high school. And, um, and I really, I guess sometimes kids will say to me, oh, you know, I just want to take it easy because I know high school is my time to have a good time. I'm like, no friend, like high school, absolutely have a good time in high school, but that, that is not your only time to have a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, wait till you get into post-secondary when you're you know living on your own and you're figuring things out like it's there are so many more times in your life that you can really just well your whole life essentially um but there's this misconception that teenagers have and I think that's also perpetuated in the, in the media that okay. like high school is this like apex time where you're never going to be able to live in this sense of freedom again and um and I just wish I could tell kids you know what, learning some tough skills now and being resilient now is going to pay off in the long run so you can keep enjoying life uh, and keep living life to the fullest. So I think that teenagers, like some of them like to give up on themselves real easy. And that, 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 um, that always kind of gets me down a little bit. What else have I learned about teenagers? Um, I don't know. I guess also I see myself in the teenage in the teenage years, and I wish I could again tell kids this too shall pass. We seem to, to take everything so seriously when we're in high school. Um, our friendships they like they can like gut us, and our relationships, uh, romantic relationships, all those new things, um, you kind of almost can't see to tomorrow because you're so wrapped up in today, mm -hmm. and. Um, that's one thing I've learned about teenagers as well. And, and they need a lot of sleep. I've learned that. About teenagers. <laughs> um, but really, I don't know. I just, maybe I still kind of see myself as a teenager in some ways. I don't know. I really feel that a lot of the things I'm talking about, you can say pretty much about anyone. Like you are just mini adults, but you're learning how to be mini adults. And, um, and you're really starting to test those really important characters, uh, character traits that are going to determine your success in life. Oh, and one more thing I've learned about teenagers is um, that I wish I could tell them too, is that grades in particular, grades do not matter um, in the, in the long run of life. Obviously you success matters. And I know people want to get into particular universities or programs where you need certain averages, but I'm going to tell you right now, all those things I've just talked about, like that resiliency piece um, is so much more important than did you get a 92 or a 96 or an 88 or a 94, of course, unless it means making or breaking your program entry. But teenagers ascribe um, value to things that don't necessarily actually have the value they think it has um, in the long run. So yeah, 
I wish I could be like, guys, you need to relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you just yeah. say that daily meditation class? I've said that a million times. I've said, come on, since I taught you in grade nine, I've been like, guys, just take it easy. We're yeah, good. We never True. said that grades don't matter. Yes, I did. <laughs> Literally her motto. Like, I don't mean like do nothing and mail it in, but I mean, just do your best and don't compare yourself. Oh yes. And don't compare yourself. <laughs> You've heard me say that a million it's times. It's true. And isn't that lame saying like comparison is the thief of joy because it is. And that's actually not just for teenagers. That's actually for us as adults as well. You know, there's this thing like keeping up with the Joneses, right? We all, I think, always see what everybody else is doing and whatever else has in terms of jobs, in terms of grades, in terms of possessions. And then we always have to aspire to more, which which really does kill joy. So I always tell kids, you know, if you got a 78, but you tried your best and you're, you know, working hard, that is more valuable than mailing it in and being able to earn a 92 because eventually that person getting the 92 is gonna come up against something where they're gonna need resilience. And if you've never had to dig deep, um, that's where things are gonna get really tough. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Very wise. Oh, well, you know, it's all my, <laughs> it's my age. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, yeah, I can totally relate to the thing you were saying about how like we get so wrapped up, wrapped up in our problems of like today, like I remember when I was in middle school and like all like that petty, like friendship drama, that was the only thing going around in my head. But like today I'm like, literally who cares? Like, it doesn't even matter. But it's normal. It's like our worlds are only, you know, they're so small in some ways. And it's so hard to understand that there's so much more beyond, right? Cause you're so, and you just think that this is it. Like, this is my best friend for the rest of my life is what you think in that moment. And some people are really lucky where they have, you know, I still have two or three really good friends from my high school years. But I think what I'm trying to say is those friendships that will last will last. And um, toxicity and drama and all the things that we think are a big deal or who has a crush on who and this person doesn't love me the way I love them. And now my life is over. Like these things, you know, I, I was there too. Sure. But um, I think that if we can just always push to look to the outside a little bit more to see what's going on in the, you know other people's lives and in other parts of the world, it really helps us become better balanced people and less wrapped up in ourselves, um, which will just make you a better person, I think in general. But listen, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, after all that uh, deep conversation <laughs> this question may seem kind of shallow but I'm like kind of curious about it because okay the question is is there any drama between teachers and teachers nothing specific obviously but like sometimes I hear some teachers like drop like a little tidbit of info and I'm like ooh, <laughs> like <laughs> okay what do you think 100% of course there's drama. Any, any workplace there's always gonna be people who don't like each other absolutely just think about it, you know, and, and you're going to deal with this too, no matter what kind of profession you go in, um, you're going to look at people and you're going to feel critical of how, of your perception of how hard you think they work, um, how they talk to other people. Um, there's always, there's always checks and balances in place where people measure up against each other. Uh, and that's, I think, in every single workplace. Um, 
so yeah, there's drama. Of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Cause I definitely feel like you guys do a pretty good job of like not relaying it to students, like showing it to students. You know what I mean? Well, some teachers just show up and they're, you can tell they're having a rough day and they're not having it. And they're just like, open your textbooks, read these pages. <laughs> Sometimes they're having drama in their own personal lives too, right? Because um, I think just like in any profession, um, doesn't matter where you encounter people along the way. Sometimes you think that someone's maybe really cranky or not open or not warm, but maybe there's like just all this bad stuff happening in their life that we don't necessarily see or understand. And as teachers, you know, when we, um, when we go into teacher's college and we were there in university studying, it's very clear about what you, you know, those boundaries that you're supposed to keep between students and, um, and yourself. So sometimes, you know, some of us are more open. I think I've always been quite open with my students saying, you know, this is a really hard day and this is what's happening. And sometimes I'll be able to share what's happening, you know, within professional boundaries, obviously. But, you know, there are some teachers who go through some really, really tough personal times, which how does that not trickle into your everyday interaction, right? Yeah. Um, and then even at school, we have differences of opinion, we don't necessarily always see eye to eye, departmentally, um, school-wide, board-wide, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that sometimes spills over too. But we are professionals and we do, and just like you're all going to be professionals one day and you might really not like somebody and you might wanna steer real clear of them, um, but you still have to know how to work with them. And so this is actually brings me to something else, which I think is really important for kids to understand um, when I look at the teachers in my high school experience, I told you I had a really particularly bad experience in English. Uh, ironically, I'm teaching that now, or I used to teach that, but that actually, I would say, had a, a more positive impact on me sometimes than, than some medium, mediocre teachers. That really awesome teacher had a great impact on me, but this really terrible teacher had a really great impact on me. Sometimes it's these people who show you what you don't wanna be and how you don't wanna treat people. And so when kids are like, oh, I've got this person as my teacher and this is gonna suck and can you switch me out of this class? I don't want them. Obviously, I will always try my best to, to support my students in any way that I can, but sometimes there is something to be said of having that really tough, challenging experience with the quote unquote authority figure in the room um, because you're going to meet people in your workplace someday that you really do not like. You might have a boss who's a terrible person and you need to know how to manage these things. So just like me, when I, if I have any beef with people at school, I would, I would work really hard at being professional and, um, having to manage it. And then of course, being really careful because you can't go ahead and gossip about it too much uh, outside of your really, really, really close trusted circle because um, that kind of stuff can't get out because you don't want a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. So kind of, you know, high school is a training ground for real life, I think in many ways, like we're like a microcosm of society. So it's like a training ground for what's to come, if you will. And teachers, we're kind of always stuck in high school. I think that's the one thing we have against us. I look at my, um, you know, my friends and family who work in the private sector, who've left high school, and um, some conversations that we as teachers have, or some things that happen in a high school, you're like, oh, right, we've really never left high school. Like, <laughs> a little bit like that, right? So sometimes. 
but there's a lot of positives too. A lot of positives. Okay. Okay. That's very insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Wait, let's kind of go into being an IB coordinator. So you, do you teach OSSD as well right now or no? Okay. I but you, I haven't in a, since I took this job, uh, I used to teach OSSD. Yeah. But, um, since I took the prep coordination position, there's no space in my timetable to do anything but teaching um, IB and coordinating IB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do you feel that there are any huge differences between being an IB teacher versus an OSSD one? Um, okay. So this is a really interesting question. Depends on, depends on what you're teaching, I guess, in OSSD and in IB. I think that the a teacher has the same philosophy no matter what, which is you're going to go into your classroom and you're going to serve the students in front of you um, and you're going to meet them where you're at, where they're at and then you're going to push them to where you know they can go. I think that applies to every level of um, academic leveling, right, for students and it also applies to OSSD and IB. I think the difference, particularly in um, IB and OSSD, is that in many ways, um, we're going to have just, I've noticed a little bit more of a richer classroom experience. Um, And of course, that makes sense, right? What we've done is we've taken, you know, most of the students who really, really want to participate in one way or another. Um, There are different ways to participate, but students who really want to participate and um, perhaps have a more, you know, deep-rooted love of learning or ambition, and we put them in the same room. So I think that's the kind of the biggest difference in teaching the IB versus OSSD is that level of discussion. And however, the level of questioning and the level of scrutiny our students put us under is, um, is, is, is increased as well. So it's, it's almost taking an OSSD course and um, hit putting it on hyperdrive, I guess, if you will, is what we see kind of in the IB classes. But in terms of the teaching and the work that goes into it, um, a teacher's going to do the same kind of preparation and, and really wants the same for their kids no matter what. And then, of course, we have to go through the extra training because there are specific uh, requirements that the IB expects from us. But besides that, any teacher teaching OSSD or IB kind of brings the same qualities and the same level of preparedness to their classroom. Um, It's just the kids um, that are sometimes a little bit different. Now, obviously, the U courses in OSSD are going to see some of the similarities that we do in IB as well. But like I said, it's just kind of like on hyperdrive, if you will, um, those IB classes. So yeah. 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 No, I, we like definitely see that as well. Like we've talked about it so many times, mm-hmm. just like, wait, we definitely talked about this in another podcast episode, but mm-hmm. like the vibe between OSSD and IB classes, totally different. Mm-hmm. See, and it depends on the kids too. And it depends on how much students are gelling with one another. I remember one of my first experiences at GCVI was a grade 10 academic. Now this is the year before IB came. Um, so actually IB prep was in grade nine and this was a grade 10 course. So these mm-hmm. kids were, IB was not even in their, in their, uh, was not even available to them. And I remember it being one of the most incredible cl- classes I've ever taught. It was right during, we were actually still doing um, To Kill a Mockingbird, which as you know, is controversial in many ways, but it was right at the beginning of um, the more scrutiny on 
police brutality, particularly, um, it was in Ferguson at that point in time. And uh, I remember the conversations. It was like, it was like being in a TOK, IBTOK class. This OSSD class was so switched on and they were so passionate and um, so driven. And we had the most incredible conversations. And I think that obviously can happen in OSSD classes as well, but it all depends on who's in your class and how safe of a space it is that people feel like they can engage um, and really have these, these brutally frank conversations. Like I'm really lucky. Some of my most favorite classes I've ever taught have always been the ones that the kids are the most engaged in. And that was, that's my IB TOK classes. A couple of my grade nine IB prep classes, those two grade 10 academic classes during that my first year at GCBI, a grade 11 uh, college level class at Westside, and then a grade 12 college level class. Those will always stick with me because of the way the students came together and how inspirational those classes were. So, you know, you're going to see that everywhere, but I think we're just lucky in IB that we just by nature have that vibe just more naturally. Mm -hmm. SD classes, courses, it's sometimes like it's amazing when it happens, but it's more of a coincidence. Whereas in IB, it's, it's kind of pretty much every class. Like when I look at my TOK classes, I can't pick one as easily because they've all been so incredible in different ways. Obviously, teaching in the pandemic has been challenging, and that has definitely hampered our TOK experience to, to an extent, right? I think like those masks have just by nature make kids not want to participate as much and a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, but really, I don't know, it's been pretty amazing when you when everyone gels. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. During COVID, it was like, and because the cohorts were so small, so there was like a less likely chance that you would be with a lot of people that you vibe well with I just feel like TOK not during COVID would have been so much better than it already was you know absolutely like I look at my first group of TOK students and listen as you guys know in your IB cohort there are kids that you love there are kids that you like and there are kids that you don't necessarily like very much and that's again that's okay that's how the world works Um, And my first group of TOK kids, same thing, but they were all really, really respectful of one another. But there were some kids who had really differing opinions. Like, I mean, very contrasting opinions on some quite controversial issues. And I remember the TOK class, like those are some of those really uncomfortable conversations, but the kids would call each other out, but really respectfully and really question each other's, um, you know, perspective why do you think this is okay and where are you coming from and that's we didn't get that because we were what eight people in a room whereas Mm -hmm. then we were 31 and you know with 31 you're going to have so many more differing opinions which by nature is going to create um like a conversation that's just so much more rich like we were eight people right yeah in masks. So it was, it was pretty challenging, but you guys still did awesome. So you should be proud of yourselves. Now I feel like I literally got robbed of that experience. (laughs) I took TOK online and like now I think it was probably really hard on Miss Snell to be teaching online and everyone's cameras were off and it was just the worst cameras off are the worst. You guys, um, they really, I taught, I taught the year twos online, um, partially, because we were, so as you guys know, you guys did it in year one, but the group before you did it in year two. So right before I taught you, I just finished teaching the year twos. 
And these are kids I taught in grade nine and grade 10. I taught half of them grade nine and 10 English. And um, they wouldn't even turn their, like six of them turned their cameras on. And it's tough like, to really get that connection and that those, in, like, those conversations going. It's just really hard when you can't see each other and you can't really gel together. Um, so I am really happy that we're returning to full class sizes. Um, for high school. I think that's excellent. It will help my TOK class. And you guys have the opportunity when we have our TOK essay writing classes. For so exciting. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> it's like he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, another question that, okay. Are there any stigmas or stereotypes about like IB versus OSSD teachers, but like, I don't know if we're like, you can talk about both, but it could be from um, like a student point of view or from teachers uh, towards teachers point of view. Um, that's a great question. So I think it's getting better than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a pretty significant stigma um, particularly because a lot of people feel that IB teachers get a lot of perks. They're like, you know, we get to go to training at different locations, um, blah, blah, blah. However, the school was very frank with everyone. If you want to teach IB, please step forward. Um, so it's funny because just because, you know, sometimes there's a stigma, not ever, and they, they think there's perks, not everyone necessarily wants to do the job. Because there is a lot that goes into the job. Mm -hmm. And um, by, the, you know, the nature of the beast is that we have students who, you know, sometimes are more mark driven, which is a teacher's worst nightmare. It is, is not learning driven, but mark driven. Mark driven is way less um, nice to be with, nice to work with than, than learning driven. Um, but the thing is, I think there is a stigma, but I think it's more of a jokey stigma now. Like, a lot of my friends in OSSD, they just love to give me a hard time. That's just the nature of the beast. I'm the kind of a person who has a pretty good rapport with a lot of people that I work with. So these are my friends socially. They'll make fun of me and be like, oh, how's life in the ivory tower? Um, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get a lot of that. Um, however, you know, there's also so many compliments that come our way. Um, Everyone sees how GC has amazing students in OSSD and IB, but we have been so fortunate that we are building this incredible program because what it's done is it's brought amazing kids into our school who would not have come to our school in the first place, um, right? Because we pull from everywhere, as you know. So, you know, I think, I think the IB program has benefited all teachers, even if they don't necessarily know it and want to admit it. And it's benefited all students, even if they don't necessarily know it and want to admit it. Um, <laughs> I think it's been really great for GC in general. And I think everyone should try, could try IB. Um, I think that would be great if our school went full IB and everyone just would try it in grade nine and then make decisions after that. But unfortunately, that's because it kind of is all based on love of learning, right? As opposed mm -hmm. to how smart am I? But that's, I think, a stigma. It's we have the stigma that everyone is like a super, super, super smart person. And yeah, we do have a lot of super strong, intelligent, switched on humans, which I love. But I think we also have a lot of people who have to work a lot harder for it 
but really love learning and are curious. And I think that's, I think that's the marker of success is that resilience and that love of learning. So yeah, that was a kind of a long winded answer, but yeah, there is a stigma <laughs> sometimes, but it's getting better. I think, what do you guys think as students? Do you think it's fine? All my friends, like anyone I ask or talk to, I'm always like, man, you should just like try to IB or just like giving it a shot even. And then they're just like, I'm not smart enough for that. Like yeah. all the time. That That's our biggest, I think that honestly is our biggest problem. Even in the community, when I um, go and visit elementary schools, that's our biggest problem is people, they're like, oh, I'm not smart enough. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, private schools only run IB and there is as every kind of student in a private school. Mm-hmm. And they go through the IB program. They have no choice. Not everyone gets their diploma in the end, their IB diploma in the end, but they get their OSSD diploma. Um, but, you know, I really wish that there'd be a lot. I really wish that we could really break away that stigma of it's only for the smartest kids. Um, I ran into Kaya Wasserman the other day at the boathouse and her and I were chatting and she was taught, she's about to go into her fourth year of university. She's in our first graduating cohort. And she was like, I still know that my IB exams set me up for university. She was like going through IB exams. She's like, all my friends struggle and get stressed. And I'm always like, man, this is nothing. And she's like, I'm still saying that and going into fourth year, um, you know, and I really think that there are some valuable experiences here. Uh, And she always says she was not quote unquote, the smart kid. She was the kid who loved learning and the kid who had to work hard. Um, And she had to learn not to compare herself to other people. So I really wish that we could break off, like break away from that stigma, but I think it's here to stay. We'll just keep working against it, but whatever. Yeah, that's really interesting because that just dug up a memory that I didn't even know I remembered. And I think Selena was in this class, but I think we were taking a grade 10 math class and there was a substitute teacher and she came in and she was super shady about IB. And I remember she was passing out the papers and she was just asking like, what's the point? Like, like, why are you guys in IB? And then this entire class of IB students just sat there. We're just like, oh. <laughs> like, we didn't even know how to respond. Cause she was being so like outwardly shady about it. And I didn't realize that people had that perspective. Well, people don't even know what it is. Like, like, right. like that's another problem is like, they don't even know what it is. They, they think this is um, someone, someone once said to me, actually, just like about a year or two ago, oh, it's such an elitist program. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, how do you mean elitist? We've got some, we've got, you know, we've got kids from every walk of life in this program. We have kids who, you know, don't have breakfast in the morning because their families can't put breakfast on the table. We've got kids who have excess. We have kids, we have kids who, you know, are immigrants and had to learn had to learn English, you know, in the last two years. We literally have every kind of student represented um, within our program. Um, but there's this because it's academically elite, right? Is what they mm-hmm. think. And um, and I really think it's important to give the best opportunity to all students. It's so, so important. It doesn't matter who you are academically, but why can't we also then give this opportunity to students who are driven and who love to learn? I, I don't know. I just think there's this weird, yeah. It's this weird thing where people think it's something it's not. They think it's snobby when it's actually mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think it's even like saying it's elitist is kind of, in my opinion, like implying that IB is like picking and choosing which students get to come in. But in reality, it's the student that gets to pick if they want to continue on or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are entrance exams. Hey, they're great. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're right. Well, so and this is this is this is exactly it. So we've been talking a lot about equity. Um, Ms. Snell and I, we've had a lot of meetings about equity, particularly with de-streaming. And that's what, you know, I really do mean it when I say I would love GC to become a school that every kid who comes into grade nine, particularly de-streamed grade nine, has the opportunity to then choose IB um, after grade nine. Like, because I really do feel that if we want to talk equity, that would give everyone a flavor for IB prep. And we could put into some, obviously, this is just... This is just, you know, I wish thinking, but, you know, we could do some kind of IB activities in those grade nine classes and, um, and then let kids pick later on, but space doesn't allow that, right? We are, we are at our max capacity, which is like Cameron said, why we have those entrance exams, because um, we can't take everybody because we still take people into every other, you know, program that comes into GC. So there's just no room. And, um, yeah, which is really unfortunate, but them's the breaks. <laughs> I would say a lot of IV kids also think like, if you think of private school, you think of private school as elitist, but they're probably the exact same, right? Well, and the thing is, you know, private schools, some parents make those choices. Like some parents, obviously, sure, private schools can be elitist to a certain extent. Of course, you're paying between twenty to $50,000 tuition a year. Um, and I think that's why IB gets this elitist attachment because you're like, if you go to Upper Canada College, you're paying 50000 plus um, per year or Havergale for the same education that our IB students are getting here at GC, except they do a K to 12. So there's that. Um, so there is this stigma thinking, yeah, this is elitist, but, but really it's just that, that private schools have been able to run it because they're not regulated, not regulated, but they're not semestered and they're not the right. same timing as we are. So, which is why it's been there. And it's a great education program. It's why I be, it's why private schools run it. So, but I think that doesn't help our stigma knowing that it's a private school program, right? That doesn't help, but whatever. <laughs> okay. I definitely feel like <laughs> this segment especially is just like IB promo pretty much. <laughs> well, I can say some bad stuff if you want me to, but <laughs> we can make the we can make the grade eights listen to this when they're like Seriously. applied. I didn't think you could say anything bad about IB. I can say bad things about IB. Sure, there's not much. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you held negative beliefs. Um, you guys know that I, I you guys know I hold some negative beliefs. I really struggle with our math expectations, as you know, but that's my own bias. I know I'm talking to three math students here, so I'm the only one that's- No, I don't, I don't like math. <laughs> Me neither. Um, but, you're naturally, but you're naturally good at it. Um, some of us just, you know, especially when you're not taught the foundational skills the same in elementary school, um, you can be set up to not do well. So you guys know how I feel about the fact that math is sometimes a stumbling point because really IB is supposed to be, if you read the philosophy of IB, um, it should be for all students. But we know, especially at GCBI, because we are a public school and we don't have, we cannot fund running classes of five or six. Um, we can't run those, those like the, the smaller math classes which unfortunately most of our kids want to go into um, math science. So we pick, we run the harder math as opposed to the easier math. Um, 
So you know I feel negatively about that. However, this year, yay, um, for the year ones, we are running the the math that is not. Um, oh wait, are they bringing studies back? Yeah, so it used to be called studies, but you know we like to change things up in IB. Now it's called math. Um, oh God, a. What one are you in? You're in We're AA. AA. Is it AI or whatever? AI. AI. Math AI is a little harder than studies used to be, um, but it's easier than AA. So I'm really happy that that has come, uh, and I really hope it stays. But of course, it's it's small, and I really wish that we could. I really wish we could get students to stay in the program, <laughs> and pick the quote unquote easier or lighter, if you will, math. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know I feel negatively about that. So that that for me is a big negative. Besides Wait, so that, even if you're going to AI, do you still have to do functions? Yeah. <laughs> which which is the negative, right? Like that for me is the <laughs> negative. <laughs> um, yeah. You do you need to do well in functions? No. Like you need to pass. You need to get a 50 in functions to be able to go into AI. Um, and you'll be fine in AI if you get a 50 in functions. Um Okay, when I say fine, it's obviously not going to be a walk in the park necessarily, but you're going to get through without too much pain and duress. Um, but yeah, you know that that's the one negative approach, and that's because we're not a private school. This is where this is where I get why Ivy World schools are often housed in private schools because they can run small classes. They can run, you know, oh, you guys want to learn Arabic? Great, six of you, we can run that course. Right, we're in a public school. We have we are funded by the government. We cannot run classes with six people. Um, ethically, we can't do it anyways because that's really unfair to OSSD. Who you know we've got to cut their classes that have twenty in them because they're not full enough. Right. So so this is where I definitely see why IB has been in a private school. It just gives mm -hmm. gives kids more choice. However, who wants to pay that kind of bill? Not me. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, let's cut back on the IV talk for now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. This is um, a question for, I think, having you like Miss Zahn on this episode specifically was really good as opposed to, to some other teacher because you're also a parent who is a teacher and your kid goes to the same school as you teach in yes so like what's that like like is it weird at all that's a great question um because well don't forget it hasn't been too weird yet because you guys were only in school half days last year yeah. um so her grade nine experience was half days um, and something else that she's got going for her is that we don't share the same last name so there are many, many people who don't even know that she's my daughter. Um, and I think she likes that anonymity. Um, so my niece is considering IB and she and I do share the same last name. Um, so she was joking just the other day. So she's going into grade eight this year at Arbor Vista. And um, wait, oh my God, really? Yes, yeah, she's from Arbor Vista. Yeah, isn't that wow. <laughs> Yeah. So she's going into grade eight Arbor, Arbor Vista and she's, you know, considering all of her options and, you know, right, which for her is continuing in French immersion exclusively or um, trying IB. And uh, so she was joking at the pool this summer um, that we have the same last name. So people are going to think that she's my daughter. And, um, 
but it's funny I think for my niece it's less weird because she's not actually my daughter so she can just laugh about it so she thinks it's more cute and funny whereas my daughter is like uh you know I you know it's kind of weird you know well she's about to have Mr. Snell as her teacher for math and Mr. Snell came here and Mrs. Snell obviously came here with their kids and my daughter like pretty much took care of their daughters and played mermaids and they're running around and she's like oh and now he's gonna be my teacher and that's like is that is that kind of weird and um right so and sometimes I think it's yeah I think she likes it I think she also doesn't like it because there's no privacy because her mom knows everything which um, <laughs> I love I love <laughs> Well, I saw you talking to so-and-so today and I am not okay with that. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. However, she is going to like the fact that she will come into my office, grab some money and then probably walk to Mark Fresh. When I go to Starbucks, I'll be, you know, I, there are going to be significant perks. So there are downfalls and there are perks. I was always really jealous of my friends who, um, whose parents were teachers at our schools because they got to, you know, get rides home. And if their mom went and got a coffee, she would bring them a coffee, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Um, is it weird for you at all to be like teaching her friends maybe and like maybe her friends coming over to your house and just having that weird relationship with them? Yes. Yes, Maggie. Oh, I find actually I find that harder because my daughter and I have have an agreement. I will never teach her. Um, she doesn't want me to teach her. I would be I would be more open to it than she is actually. She's <laughs> like I just don't never want you to be my teacher. Like my friend Bershi, he taught all of his kids and he loved it. Um, and he would joke like he would hand back a task to his son and be like in front of the whole class perfect again. And like, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. um, and some kids. They're, they can go with that and they think that's funny. Um, my daughter would hate that. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want any kind of like joking like that in any way. So teaching her friends, however, I already have, cause she's got a couple of friends who are a year older than her, who I've already taught. And I'll be teaching them again, actually in TOK, a couple of them. And um, it is a little bit different. They come to our house, they see the real life. They, they hear me <laughs> yelling at my children sometimes. <laughs> um so it is a bit different however I find that the kids that she's friends with are really good at delineating um like when they come here they're like Ms. Zond I'm like please don't call me Ms. Zond just call me. <laughs> and they're like okay Ms. Zond <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so they're pretty good at still you know pretending that they don't know me in a different respect which I mm -hmm. appreciate but yeah there's weirdness there for sure I, I try not to make too much eye contact sometimes. I'm like, don't stare at them. That's weird. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be fine. I'll, I'll let you know how TOK goes this time around. Awesome. Sounds good. You're hanging out with so-and-so. They're not a very good student. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that so-and-so cheated on their test? They're obviously a really bad person. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, that's also that breach, right? It's also mm -hmm. so hard because you have to be really careful of that, always delineating that breach of you can't say anything. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes being a teacher, it doesn't matter where you teach, but we know too much about other people. And I think this is maybe what goes against when you attend the same school that your parent works at, 
is that you know I'm really good friends with the student success teacher and some administrators and when when stuff goes down um we know about it and when you know that you're you know, your, your child or your child's friends hang out with this certain person and you know lots of stuff about them. You have to be so careful that you don't say what you know, but you also want to casually be like, oh yeah, you should hang out with these people instead. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah. Being a teacher, sometimes we just know too much. Yeah, yeah definitely. Also yeah. like your daughter's friends wouldn't be able to come to the IB office and just like cry about things and complain about things, right? Uh, they do. <laughs> they're, they're pretty open they're pretty open um they're pretty open I and then you know the, I don't know I feel like once you've established that safety relationship right. with somebody um it's there maybe they just can't complain about me which is <laughs> <laughs> oh man no I about the whole like coming in to complain thing like I've never felt that sort of like you were saying, like the whole like safe relationship thing with like any teacher until I came into Ivy. I was like, dang, so I could really just go into the office and like complain about stuff, <laughs> you know? And that's okay. And, and we love that because that's what we're here for, um, right? So as IB coordinators, we're your guidance counselors. And that's what the guidance department is there for as well. Sometimes you just need to go in and you need to unload. And I had one student in particular who really had a hard time with one teacher and and this one teacher that that the student had a hard time with is someone I get along with quite well but I could see where the problem was and I could see how these two personalities just weren't gelling so the kid would come in they would unload and and unload quite extensively um, <laughs> and we've had kids kids who've cried uh, even about people who I know and really just unload and the thing is we get it because not always do personalities don't always work and these are high stress times and during high stress times sometimes we just need to let it out I've never once been like oh my gosh so and so this kid said this about you like never ever that's mm -hmm. between us and sometimes you know I get I get where the students coming from and I also get where the teachers coming from at times so I think we get to play therapist in a lot of ways and um, we're really lucky in the position that we're in that we get to be there for kids like that um, and laugh about it, move on, try to make light of it, support in whatever is needed, whatever the student needs at that point in time. So I'm pretty lucky that I get to do that. And don't worry, Selena, you can come in anytime and say whatever <laughs> you want and there's no judgment ever, right? So. Oh man, no, yeah, definitely. Okay. I I don't think I've ever I don't think I've done that so far. You haven't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but maybe I should take advantage of this opportunity. <laughs> you have one year left to take advantage of this. So okay. Going in into daily? the office every week. Yeah. How many people come in daily? Not many, right? Especially during the pandemic, it was like nobody. Um, but you know, but maybe you guys have had really po like positive relationships or or things haven't gotten that intense yet. And, um, you know, when your emotions get high, maybe you can turn to a friend. Um, and one of my students, whenever I would see him in the hallway, he'd be like, Zon, I just need to tell you, I'm, and then beep, 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 beep. Um, and I'd be like, let's go to my office. So nobody can hear you. Um, Right, because sometimes you just need to explode, but other people don't need that. Other people can just 
talk about it at home or talk about it with a friend or, but some people just need to get it off their chest right away. And so it kind of depends on who you are. Um, this, your cohort, we don't really have any of that. You guys are pretty, you're, you're a very chill cohort, actually. We've we <laughs> remarked on it a lot that you guys are really pretty, pretty chill, um, which is really nice, right? For us too. So that's good to hear. <laughs> no, yeah definitely um this is like kind of in relationship to what we we're talking about but in terms of complaining about teachers I feel like obviously like the majority of the teachers that I've had have been Ivy teachers but I can like see kind of no shade to anybody but I can kind of see like a difference between like Ivy teachers and OSSD teachers like I just like vibe with the Ivy teachers much better and it's just good energy you know um, and there's that, no bad IB teachers yeah which which says a lot right it says a lot for who wants to volunteer to do it there are amazing there are amazing OSSD teachers out there that would be amazing IB teachers as well um, and don't forget you guys also saw essentially non-IB teachers only in your junior years um, grade 9 grade 10 so there are some amazing people who I wish would teach an IB, who I think would be incredible, um, particularly once you got them into the senior years. And we're working on it. We're recruiting. We actively recruit teachers as well. Um, we're like, come, come to the dark side. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, but yeah, listen, and it all again depends on who you are as a person. Like, it's funny, I have kids who come in and be like, this teacher is the worst and I don't like them and they're so mean to me and they're the hardest marker. And the next kid will be like, oh, I so-and-so was a great teacher for me. They really inspired me and made me work a lot harder. Two different kids, two totally different perspectives on the same teacher in the same class. So, right, it always comes, comes down to personality and personal choice as well. Yeah. Do you find that maybe between IB teachers and OSSD teachers or just, I guess like anyone who's more like in the IB circle or like not, is there kind of a difference in their level of trust or like suspicion to a student? Cause sometimes like, <laughs> you be very careful. <laughs> like sometimes- I feel like there's a story here. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes teachers who aren't part of like in the IB circle, they, are kind of just suspicious of like all the students that come their way and like there's a teacher that I've or office staff who like you know like I don't interact with that often I was like oh hey um my mom sent me a text like I need to go I'm like not feeling well or whatever and she scrolled up through my text to see if it was actually my mom and I was just like is this like how you treat the everyday like student like do you just not trust them or do you just you know so that's really interesting um I think that's a ooh, it's a tricky answer because yes, I think that we do by nature have trust in our IB students because of again, um, who you prove yourselves to be as students. Like, you know, but we've had some really interesting IB students come through our school who've had some shady pasts or some shady activities. Um, that we were maybe we were less quote unquote still love them still care about them <laughs> as humans but they maybe had a little bit less trust 
um, mm -hmm. ascribed to them. I think that actually, I think that's less an OSSD IB thing. I think that's a personal experience thing. So this person who you're referring to um, must have been, um, or must have felt perhaps in the past burned by something or felt that there was some, some mistrust um, and which is why they, that behavior would be the way it is. Now, on general, as IB teachers, if a kid tells me they're late because they were at the doctor's, do I even second guess it? No. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm Good teaching, but it's even, <laughs> you know, but, but if Cameron, if Cameron came in late every day and Cam, it doesn't matter if he's IB or OSSD, and he came in late every day and every day he was like, oh, I was at the doctor's, I was at the chiropractor's, I was at my physiotherapist, <laughs> I was here. You'd start to be like, all right, like you're, you're full of it. And, um, you're just late because you're being late, right? I think that's more based on who you prove yourself to be. And if you're talking about office staff, they don't have the chance to know you guys in the same respect that we do. And there are many kids who try to pull a lot of things. So I think that would be why you would see an experience like that. Um, does that make sense? So I think it's more based on character because there, there are some kids who I've taught in the IB program um, who, if they came in and told, told me something, I'd be like, mm, sure, right? Like, <laughs> no names mentioned. They've graduated a long time ago. But, uh, but um, so yeah, I think that's more about, yeah, I think that's more about the person mm -hmm. as opposed to the student, if that makes sense. Good to know. Okay, also, like, I guess, I don't know if you would have answered this in your answer already, but that kind of brings into the whole thing, like, to what extent do do teachers, like, assume that a student is cheating? Because, okay, here's, here's my idea. So I think most students, like, if we, like, make, an, make a mistake that, like, whatever, whatever about, like, I don't know, plagiarism or whatnot, like we make a mistake or we just do it like by accident or we didn't mean for it to happen. I think our first thought is like, oh my God, like, I don't want them to think that I'm cheating. But then like, do teachers automatically jump to that conclusion or no? Again, that's a really great question. And that 100% that depends on the teacher. Um, I have colleagues who maybe in the past they've been burned Maybe they think that they're doing right by the student of like hammering against the wall for anything that they think is even close to the realm of teaching. Um, because I know other teachers who would be like, oh, Cameron, these four sentences literally come directly out of Spark Notes. Let's have a conversation about how you should be using um, tools to support your, you know, your writing process as, a co as opposed to like Cameron. These four lines come out of spark notes. You're getting zero on this paper and you need to rewrite it. I think that again is completely dependent on the teacher's own insecurities, perspectives, worries, um, and what they think is good teaching. Um, so yeah, there are people who will watch for everything, but it's because they think that you're doing, they're doing you a favor by taking it, taking it really extreme in terms of, um, repercussion and some people do by nature think that students just cheat um but again that is purely based on maybe past experiences and who they are as a person um when I was a high school student when I was a university student did I sometimes take liberties 
probably. Um, <laughs> uh, but these are lessons that we have to learn and these are conversations that we have to have. So I think that really has helped me be a teacher who can have those conversations with kids um, as opposed to be like, you're going to fail everything in life and I'm going to give you a zero. Um, that's again, a personal thing. And departmentally, even you see very varied, uh, very varied to right, very varied <laughs> responses across the spectrum. Um, so I think both of these questions that you've just asked me, guys, this is super TOK of me, but this is purely, and it's, it's not black and white. It's purely based on the person that you're talking about, their own past experience and their own perspective of what this means and how important this is to them. Um, it's more about them than it is you, if that makes sense. Hey, I don't know. I was just thinking, cause um, one of our friends, she was writing, um, it, it was like a writing assignment and it was, something to do with like a verb tense or something in French and then the teacher was like oh like we haven't learned this yet like some like she's kind of implying like oh like where'd you get this from because we haven't learned it yet but she like did it purely like by mistake like she didn't even know like that she did it you know what I mean so it was very and I get that um I yeah certain teachers jump to conclusions right away which is not good um, I think that's also happened, especially because we've seen so many, like, if we're talking about a second language here in particular, we've seen so many students use Google Translate and <laughs> constantly. And I wish I could tell people like, listen, it does not actually help you do a good job, but whatever. Um, and there's like translators. And, and so because when kids get desperate, they, you know, like any human, when we get shoved into a corner and we feel really desperate, and especially if we really want to do well or we're worried about our marks, we are more apt to do things that are a little bit more risque. And I think teachers, um, you know, because that has happened to them in the past with other students, I think they do naturally jump to conclusions. Um, not all teachers do that. I, I think I think as a teacher, it's really important to not do that and to almost have to work against your natural instincts sometimes. Um, Right, like there are clear indicators, like when you go on a field trip with kids and they're walking around with red solo cups and there's like, yeah. um, and they're mixing God knows what into their juice or whatever, like um, there are clear indicators. And I think even then you have to be careful about jumping to conclusions. Then you gently broach these things and you have these conversations, um, which, and you kind of know where to apply pressure and where not to apply pressure um, to find out the right information. I think that's the same in subject teaching as well is, is knowing how to apply the, the kind kindness and the right amount of pressure to get the truth. Um, because we all know that jumping to conclusions is just going to put everyone's walls up and give everyone a bad experience. But, but that happens because of past experiences. So this teacher probably has had students cheat in the past and they're just reacting because um, we're just humans. And then this is the big problem. Teachers are humans. <laughs> so, yeah. right. So we're going to, you're going to see that kind of um, reactivity has happened sometimes when really it shouldn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Literally my, my worst fear is that I accidentally plagiarize something, but like, I didn't know I plagiarized it. And then I like, I get like repercussions from it. Mm -hmm. The thing is, 
you have proven like you have to think about who you are as a person as well and you have to have faith in your teachers too and they know you and they know you're a hard worker they know you're a good person you know we're all going to make mistakes in life but i think that everything that you do leading up to that mistake kind of lays the foundation of who you are already so a teacher is probably going to be way more apt to say hey i get it selena listen these things happen let's fix it up as opposed to well this is the end of your academic career like you're not <laughs> going to experience that right um and i think that's really important to remember is that we yes we talk a lot about plagiarism especially in ib right because we know that your diploma can be at risk when there's plagiarism or collusion anything like that so i think that we do try to instill this fear in you just to make sure that you are really really aware of it um but just know and this is why we also go through all those checks and balances you turn everything into urkund and it used to be turn it in and blah 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 um and you have your advisors check things over and this is just because we want to make sure that everything is yours and and that that you don't have any serious repercussions if that makes sense yeah But it happens all right <laughs> I have another question about it. you'll be fine oh my gosh don't even worry about it like listen if you are going into spark notes or wherever or some past paper and you're lifting paragraphs you know you're going to get caught um but if you're having conversations with a friend you're bouncing ideas off one another you're looking at some scholarly papers to kind of get your creative juices flowing what do you think professionals do like we all do that um we all sometimes you know ideas need to sometimes take take hold and take shape and and sometimes by reading other people's work it it helps us articulate our own stance better you just need to make sure it's your own stance that's it your own understanding and then you're going to be just fine so don't stress about plagiarism and if someone accuses you of it apologize and you'll be fine <laughs> don't, lift, don't lift paragraphs <laughs> oh yeah okay so i had another question um and it feels like it just came out of nowhere but it got me thinking because selena she was asking a question before and she used to what extent and then i saw you do like a little i was so excited like, did you, you know, see how excited i was <laughs> yeah and the thing is like since i don't know like ib i don't know we just like in our everyday conversation everyday conversations with friends like we used to what extent so often that in text we abbreviate it to TWE now and everyone just knows what it means. Uh, see, now you've just made me really happy. This is this kind of stuff that teachers nerd out about. So um because that means that what we've taught you or we've actually not what we've taught you but what we've mm -hmm. discussed with you is working which is that you realize that there's not necessarily um a definitive yes or no black and white answer that that things do operate in the gray and um and so teachers nerd out about that kind of stuff like when someone takes all those things that you've been trying to impress upon them and you and sometimes i know there's an eye roll and it's like oh my god here we go again um <laughs> but we love that because it it shows that you care and you've been listening and there's nothing more complimentary to a teacher um then when their students um take what you've done in a classroom and are applying it to their real life yay
that me go. <laughs> so that got me wondering like how much did school or maybe specifically IV I don't know affect you because I remember one of the first questions we asked you said something about rethinking like how you teach things and like lessons and the word rethink that's literally again by Adam Grant exactly that's the book that we have to read for TOK I'm like wow like that book must have rubbed off on you (laughs) (laughs) that book has rubbed off on me and um I've had I've had people my family read it and actually, so my husband's partner meeting that they just had Adam Grant spoke at it, um, totally coincidentally, like, which was right. so, I it out over that hard okay. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when, if we go back to that earlier conversation we were having when I told you that someone came up to me and said, hey, the way you teach English is really T-O-K-ish. Um, I think because of my own life experiences in high school, and then in hairstyling and then some other personal experiences in my life, I've kind of naturally always had to rethink my position on many things. And we can get into this um, more privately later. Um, (laughs) But I've had to rethink my, and I I think I've been forced to, because of some of the decisions I've made in my life, professionally and personally, I've been forced into a corner a number of times where I've had to rethink my own um, opinions and and uh, ways of seeing the world and the choices that I've made. So that's kind of always how I've taught my courses. And TOK and people like Adam Grant and the books that he's written, like Think Again, um, have really actually reinforced that, you know, where I've been sometimes struggling with some of the choices I've made, that these actually have been the right choices. And having the ability to rethink is actually um, probably one of the reasons why I am where I am today and healthy and doing well and successful. Um, so I think that TOK has kind of always been in me, but actually teaching this course has completely pushed me into a whole next level of this kind of thinking and where maybe I would have taken more of a hard line against a teacher who penalizes a child for, um, plagiarism right away or taken maybe a harder line against someone who locks the door when a student is late now I just see that we're operating from such different perspectives because we think what we're doing is right for the kid and doesn't mean it doesn't need to be you know doesn't mean we can't employ rethinking but I think that TOK has made me a lot more of an understanding uh, person more forgiving of myself and more forgiving of others, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, I think, why I love this course so much and I can never give it up. All right. I think we should wrap up this episode. Um, thank you so much to Miss Lynn for coming on. It was so exciting. Okay. I loved it. It was so great. I always love talking to you guys, as you know, mm-hmm. and you know where to find me if you ever have a, a day you want to celebrate or be angry about something. You know where to find me. Yeah. Always so fun talking to her, and I always learn so much. Ooh, and yeah. if you and if you're a student at our school, you know where to find her. That's right, Room Fifty International Office. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. It's been really great. No problem. Yeah, for coming. All right. All right. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.